What's good? Pero, my guy. Oh, we live? Oh, we're always live, baby. How's everything? Everything is good. Everything's good. How are you? How was exams? Dude, it was it was uh it was tough, but we got through it and uh upwards and onwards, you know? Semester exactly. done. Uh taking some summer courses and uh you know graduating hopefully uh first semester, if not second semester, you know, time will tell, we'll see what happens. But other than that, you know, just enjoying uh quarantine and COVID and everything that comes with it, you know? Not much you can do nowadays. Are you graduating this year or next year? Um, so right now I can graduate in December, like December of this year. Okay. Or I can wait it out and go April of 2022. I don't know. Um, there's some stuff I still want to wrap up. So obviously I want to finish my schooling first because, um, you know, I, I sacrificed a lot. My parents sacrificed a lot for me to be here. So um, I got to make sure I, I wrap those up. But other than that, you know, just kind of taking it day by day and seeing what the what the world brings like. Okay, that's good. Where are you right now, in Thorland or? No, I'm in Thorland, bro. I just, uh, I figured I'd stay up here, you know, for a couple of weeks so that I work out here. And mm-hmm. um, so I just kind of see if work reopens up and then kind of make it a plan from there. Oh, okay. Are you going to do any master's degrees after? Um, I'm kind of looking at it right now. I'm uh, just kind of seeing, um, you know, what happens exactly because, um, you know, obviously with COVID, like everything shut down. So, you know, I can't really work. Uh, so just like I said, take it a day by day, see what, you know, what the future holds and then just kind of making my decisions based on that. Well, I admire your positivity and open-mindedness and optimism. That's uh, those are good things to have. So no, you, you have, you have to stay open-minded, right? Because yeah, exactly with anything like this, like nobody was expecting this. None of us were expecting this. No, or at least none of them won't, no one expected it to blow up. Definitely not. Exactly. So we, we I was one of those just... people. Yeah, Believe kinda, me, I was one of those people who were very naive about the whole thing. No, listen, man. At the time, it didn't look that serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, you just kind of have to, you know, figure it out. So everybody's kind of going through the same battle. So it's it's, it's going to be re- interesting to see how everything kind of progresses forward. But as of right now, you know, you kind of just have to stay even keel and stay ten toes down. Yeah, well, always got to hope for the best, you know. Always, always. So let's get right into it, man. Um, you know, the footballing world has kind of been on uh, on, a, on a tear these last couple of weeks. You know, La Liga, uh, mm-hmm. the EPL, League One, the Bundesliga all kind of, you know, coming to the conclusion of their seasons right now. Yeah. Um, you know, the first, the, you know, you messaged me saying, let's talk about Super League. So let's get right into it. Okay. Um, I got to I gotta ask you, right? What, what were your initial thoughts when the Super League was kind of announced? So I remember hearing rumors of the Super League. 20 rumors your teams like the top six in England, Real Madrid, Atletico, Barca, Bayern, Dortmund, Juventus, Inter, all those teams joining the game. And at the time, I didn't know what that meant because in my head, I thought it would be all those guys would make one league, they would leave their original leagues and do that. And I never liked the way that that sounded, so I kind of like just pushed that aside. I didn't hear many rumors about it. Then talks about it started to get not only rumors that they were actually real and they were being organized. And I never knew how it was going to be organized. If it was a FIFA thing and it was just, it, the whole thing was confusing to me, but I always just kind of wanted to believe it wasn't real until there was this other announcement that I think it was either made this year or last year by FIFA president saying that any player who takes part of a super league will be banned from playing for the country. And I thought, Oh, okay. Well, 
until about a few weeks ago, the papers were saying, hey, yeah, I was very shocked because it's like, I was not okay with it. I never wanted it. And I was surprised and made me happy that no one else wanted it either. Because it was just like, I don't, I'm not the type of person who likes change. I like things the way that they are. I like the Premier League the way it's fine the way it is, the teams that are in it. There's no need to like break away and change stuff. So I was never really for it. And I just love how no one else was for it as well. And then I heard a bunch of things saying like, oh, you know, it, it needs to happen. Uh, you know, football's evolving. Not, not many people are saying that. It was just mainly the presidents and the owners of their um, teams that are saying it. And it was only for one thing. It wasn't about the game. It was about the bank account that these guys were making because apparently $5 billion for each of these people isn't enough. So to me, that really upset me knowing like, okay, this game isn't a game anymore. It's literally a business and it's a damn market. And this is just like, it's complete nonsense. And I didn't, I didn't like it. So I was glad that within a matter of 48 hours, a bunch of the teams stepped away from it. The thing that just upsets me the most is that is one who the president of the Super League was, and that was Fiorentino Perez. And he has won, made Real Madrid look bad, and the fans look bad, and he has just been... I really hope that, if anything, this Super League has shown is the kind of Perez is, because he does not get the criticism that I feel he deserves. Like, that man is not a good man, and I hope, from what I people are seeing, people can now realize that, you know what, this man, all he cares about money, not football, not definitely not Real Madrid. He just cares about hundreds and millions and billions of dollars and you know you can have a hundred millions of dollars but there's one thing you don't do with it and that's mess with football and what people crave for it, again there was everything that was saying football was created by the poor and it was stolen by the rich no and i 100 and I agree with you and i think i think the way the football world and the football landscape has kind of evolved is is now clubs want more money um obviously you know through the pandemic, you know, clubs have lost a lot of revenue. So I think mm-hmm. the, the strategy behind it, you know, kind of made sense from mm-hmm. a business aspect, right? You have leagues that are dying because they're not making enough money, right? Mm-hmm. All the little teams are kind of, you know, losing revenue, not making the money to support and go and get new players. But then you have the big teams who feel like they need more money than they already have. Yeah. Uh, so I think Florentino Perez, I give him credit, you know, he, he stepped in at the right time and tried to get the league going. I think it's absolutely disgusting that, you know, a team like a team of Liverpool that I support, you know, near and dear to my heart would even think about it. But then mm-hmm. again, it's run by a bunch of Americans. Um, so which Americans absolutely... don't know the sport. Trust me. They, they think they do. They don't. And, and that's the thing that rattles me is that you, the Premier League, like you said, it's beautiful the way it is. Mm-hmm. Three come up, three come down, three come up, three come down. And yeah. every year it's the excitement of the Premier yeah. League that draws everybody back. Yeah. Right. Look at Liverpool, for example. Look at the top six right now the EPL. Man City, Man United, Leicester, Chelsea, West Ham, Liverpool. Yeah. But something, that about, the, yeah, something about the Champions League is that you, ha- you earned your spot. You have to earn it. If you... You ain't going to Champions League. But in the Super League, like, I remember seeing a bunch of things online saying, like, Tottenham. Now, look, Tottenham have been on the up for the past few years and have been a bit of an on-and-off team before that. But let's be real. What if Tottenham done... Not a spot in the Super League. I'm going to throw Arsenal in there too. Yes, Arsenal have the history and everything that they've done, but they've been on a downward spiral since since maybe since 2013, maybe even a little bit before that. But they haven't made the top four 
within the last four or five seasons. So why are they in this Super League? The Champions League, you earn your spot, which is why Leicester could possibly be in it, which is why they were in it a couple of years ago, and why West Ham, surprisingly enough, could be in it. You earn your spot for it. And that's what I thought was disgusting. And to go back to my comment about Americans not knowing the sport, do you know who it's owned by the the Fenway Group. It's it's uh, they have a it's the same people that own the Red Sox. Yeah, so it's like you got baseball people owning a football team in England. Same with Arsenal and Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke owns the Rams, Denver, Colorado. I think he owns the Nuggets too. I'm not 100 sure. I think he owns Colorado Avalanche as well. I'm not 100 sure, but he owns a bunch of teams, and he tries to implement his system to mainly just one. Oh, I think all he cares about is the Rams, but. He does not know how to run a soccer team, and I don't well, know he, what the state of the other teams he owns by. But all I well, know is that he doesn't know how to run a football team either. Like an NFL team either. It's, it, his he made the Super Bowl in so my second year of university that would have been twenty or sorry my first year so twenty eighteen. No, 2019. I remember it. I was. I remember watching the game in a pub. So 20, 2018, 2019 season, yeah. they they made the Super Bowl, and that was the last time they ever made it. Yeah. So, like, like we talked about before, like before the show even the the show even started, we said that the state of football right now is it's good because the talent is is up and coming, and mm-hmm. you know we have longevity. You know, with the likes yeah. of Billing Holland, you know Phil Foden's in the mix, Kylian Mbappe, yeah. right? Couple key players, just to name off the top of my head. But then these guys want to go in and start a Super League and ruin the future of football. And, you know, for example, let's take in Watford. Watford a year ago got relegated, and Watford just won their playoff championship to come back up to the, to the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. So you can't ruin a system that's been like this for 150-plus years, Yeah, right? it just doesn't seem natural. No, and you're going to ruin the game. You're going to ruin mm-hmm. the sport, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, the EPL and all the European leagues have kept football a sport, yeah. right? And when the second anybody else gets involved, it becomes a business, mm-hmm. right? Look at, look at the countries that, that uh, succeed in football consistently on, in the World Cup basis, right? Yeah. You know, Germany, uh, France, you know, we could throw in Italy, England, right? Because they've kept it a sport. They've never mm-hmm. made it about the, about the money. Yes, there's yeah. teams that have a lot of money, but that mm-hmm. comes with anything. Yeah. Right, but there's no there's no need for this this super league bullshit, right? Yeah, like look at the MLS; it's a business. Yeah, like so. It was supposed to be all the big teams playing each other, but that was going to be year after year after year. First of all, that's the MLS. No, no, it's not even the MLS. That's hockey. The times a season, like. You want to watch a team play over and over again. Watch like watch an American sport. Like that's what the Americans are trying to do. They're trying to make a European sport American. Now, one thing I will say about Liverpool is and the Fenway Group is that at least that guy had the decency to apologize to the fans. Whether you thought of if it was genuine or not, whatever. At least he had to come out and show his face and say, "I'm sorry. All right, it was wrong." At least he had like that well, way I, of. I sorry. Think it's- I think it's more a fact that he had to apologize, right? He was losing, you know, fans were outside, you know, uh, Anfield all day, right? You know, kind of saying their piece. And, you know, a lot of the Liverpool players were uh, disagree with his views. Mm-hmm. Um, a kind of point I want to ask you about is, do you think Mourinho was was fired because he didn't want to join the, the Super League? 
Uh, I'm, yeah, this was actually a question I wanted to ask you. I was actually going to be it was the second one on my list. Um, yeah, let's, let's start with this one. So should Mourinho have been sacked? You're asking me. Um, personally, I don't think he should. Uh, I think it was definitely wrong for him to do it six days before the League Cup final. That was really weird. And I'm seeing a bunch of reports and videos saying that he was fired because of results and performances and the players maybe just didn't like the style of football. But I did hear a rumor saying he stood up because he was against the Super League. And if he, if that was the case, then good on him for him standing up and believing what football really is. I think, like, in terms of him being fired, I don't think it should have happened now because I think in terms of what Tottenham wanted, Tottenham want trophies. And I think the Tottenham was Mourinho, someone who knew how to win trophies, someone who's done it many times, and someone who, as long as he had the proper, you know, market, and transfers, he could have done it. Uh, I think in, this was only his second season, so I don't think he's had much of a transfer. He signed some subpar players, you know, Doherty, Hoybjerg, Bale on loan. He, he never really used them that much, so I don't. I think that was a bit of a waste. Personally, um, I don't think it was really right in the beginning because I don't think Tottenham and Marino was really a good mix. In terms of what they wanted, I think he was the best. There was he was their best choice. I don't know. I personally, I feel like me. If anything, it should have happened at the end of the season. They probably should have reviewed it and see what finished in the Europa League or even in the Champions League spots. But this one's hard for me. I I, I don't think it was a right. It was a right time to get rid of him. I don't agree with it at all, man. Look, so Mourinho's second season, right? Last year he finished six, fifty-nine points. Yeah, that's good enough for Europa League group stage. This year, you know, with five, with what, six games to go, he is three points out of a Europa League spot. You know, he's won 15 and he's drawn, he's drawn eight. He's, he's done well with what he has, right? Um, I think, I think like you said, it's wrong timing. I don't think, I think at the end of the day, he came down to really not wanting to play in the Super League, yeah. which is fine. I, I get that. I respect that a lot. And I think mm-hmm. Tottenham just got pissed off yeah. and, uh, you know, fired him for whatever the reason may be. You know, they might say it's results, but the results are there. He's six games to go, three points out of a Europa League spot, uh, five out of a Champions League spot, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got, you know, Tottenham's next couple of games right now are, are Sheffield, Wolves, Tottenham, Sorry, Sheffield, Leeds, Wolves, Villa, and Leicester. Yeah, those are all winnable games. Those are all winnable games. And they, they, that could have been enough for at least the Europa League. But I, I feel like, I don't know, I guess we'll never really know what happened behind the scenes, whether it was the Super League that caused his dismissal. Again, I just think it was just the bad timing. And I also think Mourinho was getting blamed for a lot of the things. Like, one, so let's be real, Tottenham's squad really ain't that good enough right now. There's some problems that are there, and I just think there are some players there who are underachieving or just probably aren't that level. Two, I feel like he got blamed for a lot of things that weren't necessarily his fault. Like the Dinamo Zagreb game, when they lost, that was not his fault. He, but because he's the manager, he has to take the blame for it. And I just personally think like he was just at a team who was just not good enough to compete at the high level. Well, it's like, I don't know how, to, how do I put this? It's like, I don't know. I want to. I want to say Sevilla, but the thing is, Sevilla have actually won trophies. It's like some 
the La Liga. Would that ever happen? Well, see, you met you met uh, mentioned Sevilla, but you know Sevilla's uh, Sevilla's has potentials to win the La Liga this year. But no, I understand what you're saying, right? And we look at we look at Spurs' team, right? You know, I think the best players are now are, you know, Lloris, uh, Son, and I say Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. Other than else, you know, Deli Ali's been subpar. Um, Aurier has been nothing. Lucas yeah. Moore has been meh at times. Um, Lamella's okay, I guess. But he's been there. For, he's been there for almost what eight years, and he's he's getting old. So I think he's just more of a more like a super sub that doesn't really do anything. Well, then you look at a guy like G- Giovanni Lo Celso, who's twenty four, who still who still hasn't really come into his own yet. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you can't you have to play with the cards you're dealt, right? And if your cards yeah. are dealt, Luis. You know, and Davis and Sanchez and Hoiberg, like you said, and Anderwild and Harry Winks, and you know they're not producing. How is that your fault? Yeah, right? how is that your fault? It's it's really not. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I think the Mourinho sacking was unfair. Yeah. Um, I think I think it's part. I think it's a huge part due to the fact he didn't want to play in the Super League. Mm-hmm. And um, I, if he wants to die on that, I respect him for dying on that sword. Personally, for me, I don't, or for him, I don't think he should manage in the Premier League anymore. I think he's just, he's done everything he could. He's taken it so far. Can't teach all new tricks. And it's an old saying, like, you live, either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I think Mourinho should move on from the Premier League. I think he should, one, go to Bayern Munich. I don't think he will. I think Nagelsmann is likely to take that job. Two, I think he should go back to Italy. I think Juventus. I think, like, especially like they're looking for the Champions League. They're playing La Liga this season, so I think they that'd be a good one. In terms of a third team, I'm not 100 sure where that could go. Maybe the Portuguese national team, definitely one day. Really would be a good idea. Bayern and Juventus would definitely be good. No, and, and I agree with you. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, like we said before, you know, Italy's always an option. Um, you know, Spain as well. Um, the the issue with Mourinho, right, is is kind of what's next for him, right? Uh, yeah. Like, what what do you see, right? Because he's he's done it all. He's done it all. Um, he's he's completed everything he's wanted to do. Mm-hmm. What's what's next? Um, yeah. Potentially, you know, the national team is is that something. Definitely one day. I think I think the, the national team still have unfinished business with their squad, and I think they trust their manager, especially considering Fernando Santo won the Euros with them. Hard twenty twenty two, possibly. That could that could be interesting, but maybe maybe Mourinho will think it's too soon. Maybe he, he wants to do that towards the end of his career. No, like yeah, it's it's interesting to see because Mourinho Mourinho's up there in age, and now we have to figure out what exactly he wants to do. Um, so yeah, uh, kind of moving forward now, it's going to be interesting to see because a lot of jobs are going to open up, um, especially now that, you know, we're getting a clear picture of, uh, how the season is going to shape up. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, you know, the transfer window and everything kind of plans out. Yeah. Uh, okay. I want to move on from the Mourinho topic. I want to ask you something else. Uh, where do you think it went wrong for Liverpool this season? Where do I think it went wrong? 
Yeah, because Liverpool last year were, let's be real, one of the greatest teams ever. That was It was incredible to watch. Every they, they deserve to be champions. They've been the best team since the last two years. That season, when they won the Champions League, I thought, but they carried over to next season. And looking at that team from last season, this season, it's pretty similar. Considering the fact that Liverpool never lost anyone major, they've, um, they still, I still feel they don't have squad depth. Maybe that's just because of the amount of injuries that they've had. But, you know, they brought in Diego Jota, who was a really good signing. He's been really good. And they brought in Thiago Alcantara, who hasn't been. And I love Thiago. I think he's a great player, but he hasn't been good at all this season. And he's kind of been gotten lucky, the fact that he hasn't been tormented on social media a lot. And I see these two teams, like from last year to this year, thinking this is just such a different team, considering the fact that Anfield was one of the hardest places to play and win at. Maybe it was that possibly, but when you saw that the fans left, Liverpool weren't losing at home on in January and ever since that game one or two games at Anfield since 2021 and we're almost in May so my question to you is where do you think what do you think happened and what's well I think injuries play a big part right you know you lose Virgil van Dijk at the back that's obviously a big piece you know Fabinho gets injured Wijnaldum you know kind of goes through his his nicks and and whatnot you know you bring in a sign like Tagal Qatar and Diego Jota like you mentioned Mm -hmm. um I didn't, and then you go in the transfer and you go sign Ben Davis and, you know, you bring on Ozan Kabak, um, mm-hmm. you know, to try to, you know, fill in those gaps. I just think it was just a bad year. I think, you know, injuries and, you know, that obviously affects poor form and poor form is obviously difficult to get out of sometimes, especially when you're missing key players. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, I think it's just a bad year. I don't think, uh, I don't think anything's wrong with the team as of right now. I just think that Liverpool in the transfer window just kind of, has to let some players go. I think the first one, in my opinion, that Liverpool kind of needs to let go is Roberto Firmino's. I mean, I've been saying I've worn guard for a long time. Really? Um, like, I, how, I, how, when did that start? Uh, I want to I say, say the year they won the league. So last year, it, it, it came across for me, you know, watching him play the year before that. And then I was like, ah, he's not doing his job and he's really not doing too, too much. Um, you know, people are going to argue tactics with me, but I, I don't think he's that good. I don't think Roberto Firmino is that good. Okay. Um, I think it's time to move on, uh, you know, find another number nine. You know, uh, Dival Karibi's in the mix. Um, mix know, to, to fill the gap or to move on too? I think I think you give Origi a fair show. I think, you know, you've got guys in the academy. Uh, I think you go into the transfer window and, you know, look for guys. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's – I think the team, if they don't move for Mino, it's not the be-all and end-all of the roster. Um, I think it's time, you know, you kind of show up the defensive uh, defensive back four. Obviously, you know, talented young Reese Williams. Uh, Nathaniel Phillips is kind of coming in. Nico Williams. Um, in the middle, the middle's not an issue right now. I still like Jamie Miller. I still like Curtis Jones. I think Sheridan Shakiri. I think Sheridan Shakiri might leave. Um, I think he deserves. He should, I think it's. I think it's time for him to get a bigger role. You know, he's kind of been in the big, mm-hmm. the big clubs. You know, he's been at uh, Bayern now, Liverpool. Uh, he was at Stoke for a little while. That's where he kind of got his rise. Um, I think Liverpool looked to you know potentially bring in someone a bit more youthful. Um, you know, maybe target a guy like Jaden Sancho. Um, I think if the money's right, I think Sancho does come to. Uh, to Anfield and play. Um, I think mm-hmm. you even bring back uh, Takabi Minamino, 
off of Waller. I think you gave yeah. him a shot. You know, you paid however much it was to bring him in. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I think the team's fine. I think you uh, you look at maybe uh, you know selling uh, Loris Carrillos, uh, mm-hmm. Harvey Elliott has to go in my opinion. Um, other than that, you bring everybody back and you see what you kind of have. I think the team is fine the way it is. Uh, I think it's just a bad year. You know, everybody else played uh, well. Everybody else played good football. And it's just one of those years where you get caught off guard and that's it, right? It's not much you could do. It's not, okay. like, it's not like they went from first to, you know, that last. Then you have to really – they went from first to, you know, six, five, six games remaining and you're one point out of a of Europa League spot you know, four behind out of a Champions League spot. So it's, it is what it is. Uh, I want to ask you, what do you think went wrong with Liverpool from a, from a neutral perspective? I definitely think injuries did play a big part. Uh, you know, definitely when you lose someone like Van Dyke, someone who's like that big of a character in your team, that is a, that is a big one that probably hurt the most. I think what happened after that, it was a definitely something that no one saw coming for the amount of players who got injured, like, Gomez after, Fabinho after. I think there was literally a point where they had defenders alone. So Milner had to start playing center back, which it worked out in the way that it did. Uh, I think recruitment, listen, when a league or whatever, it's very hard to sign new players. Sign good players, but where are they going to fit? Who is going to come out? It's weird. League. Everyone's been guilty of that. Chelsea many years ago, Man City many years ago, Real Madrid haven't been getting it right for a long time, even Barcelona. So teams, when they win, they, they tend not to get it right in the transfer market all the time. But I definitely think they, the Diogo Jota one was definitely a good one. Thiago, how it came from the beginning, but they clearly didn't work out. And I think the development in the youth probably should have came a little bit sooner than they did because those young guys were put into a position that they just were simply not able to handle. And I think Liverpool, every, every champion, this happens with many champions. This even kind of happens. Like when you become champions and you win, all the other teams around you get big, better. You kind of like, don't have that winning mentality to do it again because you kind of already won it. So you don't really care that much. So maybe they were something like that where they just were didn't care so much. They were maybe they were tired by playing so many games. Maybe they wanted to focus on other things. But definitely injuries and recruitment weren't necessarily didn't didn't really help. And the guys who came in, granted they're young, they couldn't do much. They did everything they could, but that's that went the way that it did. From them to go down the way that they did, um, losing seven straight games at home, that was. I don't know anyone who has an answer to that. I think Liverpool probably just were very unlucky and they were just couldn't get it right. And when they played Aston Villa, they were finally able to get a win and try to move forward, but it's been really hard for them. So this is definitely going to be a year to forget. You know, it's, it's not, not necessarily their fault. You know, injuries happen. It's, just, it's probably the, the life of a footballer. You probably train. You know, I'm not a professional footballer. I don't know anyone who is, but you're playing or training, like, six out of the six or seven times out of the weeks. Exhausted. And Especially when you get older, you know, you break a ligament. It becomes harder to heal when you're a young guy. So, I think fatigue definitely had to play in that as well. So, fatigue, injuries, and recruitment was a big one. And I guess my question to you would be, where does Jurgen Klopp play in this? Do you think he'll be looked at at the end of the season and think, 
they should move Liverpool will move on from Liverpool and what's next so what do you think about that I think clubs I think club stays um, I think everything he's done for the club and bringing them to uh, to the team they are right now I think plays a big part in what happens this summer um, I think he stays uh, there's no need there's no need for us to move on from Jurgen Um so at the end of the day, I think Liverpool uh, will do what is right. And they'll they'll give Klopp uh, two more years, so uh, uh, two year extension, in my opinion, on his contract. Um, so I think he stays. Um, I think you give it one more run. Um, you know, although Liverpool might say, "Hey, come back," you're gonna might have different ideas, right? You're gonna say, "Hey, I, I want to go. I want to change the city. I want to go elsewhere." You know, maybe go back to Germany, you know, manage, you know, Dortmund again. Uh, maybe he goes to Italy, you know, takes on uh, – I would Pat love team. for him to be at Real Madrid, honestly. The, the issue with him going to Real Madrid is they're going to want too much from him. and he, He's not going to be able to, you know, keep up with what um, the Spanish game has to offer. I, I think he goes to Italy, you know, takes a middle of the pack team like Sampordia, Roma, Udinese. Um, you know, he takes them and he kind of figures. I think if he would go to Italy, they would he would want to join an ambitious team. So someone like maybe Lazio or Atalanta would be a good shout. Or even AC Milan, they seem to be on the rise. Yeah, AC, you know, obviously just resides Latin. So, you know, a top, he's played with top top players. Um, you know, Rafa Leal, you know, a young player that's kind of coming into his own right now. Um, you know, you also have Gianluigi Dudaroma. Uh, Chattanooglu, Teo Hernandez, you know, all these guys, uh, you know, Tenali, just to name a few kind of players that fit what Jurgen uh, kind of wants out of his young players. Um, yeah. So, obviously, I think the, I think AC would be a great fit for him. You said Lazio is another one. Um, yeah, interesting to see what happens this summer. Um, you know, Jurgen and, and Jose are going to be the big ones kind of looked at, you know, heading into the summer transfer window mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, in terms of coaching opportunities. Um is there any way you see Jurgen, you know, taking the national team, you know, kind of stepping away and seeing what what uh, the national team has to offer him? In the beginning or like months ago, I would have said, yeah, I think Jurgen should be the coach of the Germany team. I think Jurgen, the coach and a guy who's done really well for them, and you know, I really liked the the Germany coach. I thought he was a really good coach. He, you know, took Germany to two major trophies that I can think of: the World Cup and the Confederations Cup. And he's had them playing, you know, very good football. The German team kind of just changing now into a team that's probably just not as dominant as who they once were. You know, I think, you know, football's evolved, like, as Spain. Like, let's go back many years ago. Spain were one of the most scariest teams alive. But, you know, other teams have come by them in Spain. Maybe now are a different team. But definitely in the uh, mid-2010s, they were. And I think Klopp could organize Germany and... Jurgen Klopp has coached many teams. Great players. Like, take for instance, his best ever player who he ever coached and who he, like, brought up. Because, like, I'm not sure when he joined, when the two joined, but when Dor- when Lewandowski did join Dortmund, made him to a champion, made him to a goal scorer, and made him, you know, a reason why people looked at him. And he was one of the reasons why both of them were the reasons why Dortmund were in the Champions League final many years ago and how Lewandowski was 
coming up through the ranks and why Bayern wanted to sign him. And people would say Pep Guardiola maybe made him better, but definitely made him start. So Jurgen Klopp probably doesn't deserve, doesn't get the credit that he deserves on his man management on players. So I definitely think if he took that to the German team, I think that they could, you know, maybe win the Euro, tw- not Euro, uh, World Cup 22 if it did happen. However, uh, now it looks like it's not going to happen. It's going to be Hansi Flick from Bayern, who I can make, I can kind of understand why they thought that would have been a good appointment. However, I think Hans Flick isn't necessarily as experienced for, for the German national team. And I think uh, Klopp probably would have been better in terms of getting them the trophies that to win. However, I think there's a complete difference in managing a team and a club. And when you're managing a national team, you're probably not really doing as much. I could be wrong. You're in Klopp's the type of guy that, you know, wants to play games, win. He's, he's the type of guy that wants to work. And maybe being coach of the national team might be too boring. Like that. And maybe Jurgen Klopp still feels like he has ambitions of taking another team to, you know, winning the league. Or maybe, like you said, you think you should go to Italy. Maybe, and I mentioned Mourinho taking uh, Juventus to the Champions League. Maybe, maybe that's what Jurgen Klopp wanted to do. Liverpool didn't win the Champions League since, what, 2005 until they won it in 2019? So that would definitely, and, he, and he's the one that took if he could take Juventus to the Champions League. So it would definitely be interesting to see if that was uh, a mix. But the German national team now, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But I would have definitely thought that would have been a better fit for Germany. But I don't think it would have been a good fit for Klopp. No, and um, I have an, I have another idea. Um, you know, it, it, I could be wrong in this one. Is is there a, is there a long shot possibility where you could see Jurgen making the trek to the United States? Too too soon, too soon for him now. I mean, well, in terms of what the MLS or in the national team? No, I, I mean to coach in the MLS. You have to pick up a job here. The guy's, I don't know how old he is. I think he's like what fifty five, fifty six. Sometimes yeah, he probably just want to go to the MLS towards like, the end of his career. Maybe maybe like a one-year sabbatical just to see what it's like. But I think it's probably too soon for him. Maybe he's not the type of person that probably want that kind of stuff. Maybe he's not into USA culture. Maybe he just types like the European thing. So I think maybe towards the end of his career, which I think the MLS gets kind of stick for it, where it's more of like a retirement party, where maybe it should get more than it deserves. But I just don't think it's kind of the right idea. If you if you if you ask me, do you know who Frank DeBoer is? Um, I believe I've heard the name, but no, not at a. Not I'll a... give you a bit of a context about him. He was a great player back in the day, throughout the seventies, nineties, the Johan Cruyff era, if I'm not mistaken. I could. Yes, for about four to six years, and in those four to six years, he won four Eredivisies. He went and managed. He last a full season, actually. He, I think he lasted three months. A. Year. Palace and managed four games. I went to the MLS, got sacked by Atlanta, and now he's coaching the national team. Something tells me if that was Jurgen Klopp, he went to the MLS, couldn't get he didn't know the sport well or couldn't play tarnishes his legacy. Now, granted, DeBoer kind of tarnishes his legacy before, but for him going to the USA kind of just made it more embarrassing. So I just think. Him going to the United States now would just be like if he went through a retire towards the end of his career before he retired. If they 
did, if he did bad at the USA, no one would really care because it was like, oh, he did all this stuff in Europe. But if he did it now, he did shit in Europe, or he, I mean, he did shit in the USA. Other managers have done better in Europe while he was gone. They're going to look at other new managers like post to Jurgen Klopp. So I think if he went to the States, people would kind of forget about who Jurgen Klopp was. So I think, I think it would be too soon. For... And I just don't think for him to take the Germany national team is going to happen right now. Maybe in the future, but now it's they're going to go a different route. Yeah, and you look at the likes of, you know, Gabriel Heinz, who just got his coaching start in uh, for Atlanta, you know, Thierry Amri. Um, you know, Tata Martino was at Atlanta for a little while, too. So a lot of interesting things have happened. Um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, the fish, uh, how the technical aspect of the game kind of heads into the summer. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of options, a lot of teams making decisions to kind of further the game of football and further themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's that's really – that's the that's the great part of the, of the sport. Is everything yeah. Everything kind of falls with time. Talking about time – Here's a big topic, a big topic that has been servicing football for the last five, six years, but it's only been implemented within the last three or four. I want to know your thoughts, especially this season, on VAR. Oh, I think it's disgusting. I think it's ruining football. Uh, I think more bad than good has come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all these, you know, little ticky-tacky reviews, you know, for little fouls, and, you know, you if the player's fingernail was over the line, then he's offside. I think it's ruining the game. I think... Um, I, I'm all for goal line technology. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, you know, if, you know, the referee, the official is facing the other way and there's a brawl behind and he doesn't see it, fine. But don't, but don't be waving him down and, you know, to see if, you know, if it was offside or if the fingernail was this or whatever. That's mm-hmm. what the linesmen are for, right? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, like that human error is what makes the game, right? Mm-hmm. If you're just sitting behind a screen, it's, it's no fun, right? Like how many goals have been disallowed this year because of VAR? Yeah. Right, and you know, we can see anybody who truly understands the sport knows that VAR is ruining the game, and it's doing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree that it's doing uh, a lot more human error has come out of it, and obviously, you got to give it a kind of consider it this way. Obviously, it's new; they're trying to figure out how it works. So far, it's been working well. So I, you, you understand the backlash from it. I'll say this about VAR. I like the concept of VAR. I like the concept it was outside. Or, you know, calling it offside when it given and the guy was offside, cancel the goal. If if it was a dive, you know, make sure it wasn't given a penalty. I like, you know, correcting these mistakes that are, you know, supposed to be big mistakes. What I don't like about it is probably the way the Premier League handled it. Now, the Premier League, before VAR even has started, I think the Eng- the Premier League had the worst referees. Those English refs do not know how to ref the game. They are so bad. Like, one, they are so arrogant. They, they're all about themselves. They want to make the game about themselves. They, don't, they won't own up to their mistakes. And they're just, they're just slimy people. And, of course, you give them that technology. They're like, oh, let's make it more about ourselves. Let's, let's ruin it and make it more about ourselves so we can get more money. We, you know, they just love the attention. So they clearly just couldn't get, grasp the concept of it. And of course, they had to make it to millimeters where your toenail is offside. Fingernail. The strand of your hair is offside. That I don't like. And I think that was the Premier League that did it. Look, you're in line. But as long as you're out there, and as long as it's... And I think 
what did it for me was now now I'm creation. A lot of people know that. People always say that VAR cost creation the World Cup. Now I can understand why they think that. Parashic's arm was in an unnatural position. It was hard for him to react because it happened so fast. But you kind of look at it this way. You know, if that was France that handballed it, I would have wanted VAR to call that a pen. It's like a fair thing. It's like, okay, this is happening to our team, but look, what if it happened to the other team? We would want the same thing. I just think the... Now it's just so confusing because they're constantly changing the rules. The referees, like, just don't know how to make a call. Some of them are too scared to make a call. You know, they, they're just... Remember the Chelsea game? Chelsea Men United where Callum Hudson-Odoi had the ball on his, like, finger. He didn't want to do that because he was, like, scared what the media would have done to him. So it's like, one, these referees are cowards to do their own freaking job. And I personally think the Premier League needs to, one, investigate the uh, officials like they did in Italy all those years ago because there's got to be some kind of corruption, freaking fixing going on. Like, well, that's that's another thing about the game, right? You, you talk about match fixing. You can sit up in a booth and play with the mouse and adjust the line however you want it. Um. I my issue my issue has always been is is this you talk about fairness in the game right you talk about you know elevating the standards of the sport whatever whatever bullshit you want to put together but if the official makes a call right the official stands there and says no penalty why the fuck is somebody up in a fucking phone booth telling the official hey it's wrong because now what happens if if you go back, right, and you check the screen, it's no penalty, right? Now you just wasted all that momentum for what? Yeah, I, I do definitely nothing. disagree with the booth. Like, VAR never needed a guy in another area telling calling the sport. What they should have done is, if there's a contract, like, like in hockey, coach's uh, call or something. I don't know what it's called. Coach's basically, challenge? Co- coach's challenge. If there's, like, a big round or a big disagreement, let the referee be like, okay, look, let me look at the monitor. Let me see if I missed something. Yeah, let him make the decision himself. We do not need these me. people in the damn booth. Like, it's like, oh, you made messed up. Give it a penalty. Oh, okay. It's like, why is another guy calling the shots now? No, you're... And if you think you messed up, go look at the screen, go look at the replay, and see if you messed up. Don't use these stupid lines like this other guy's telling you. And honestly, they need to make the decision quick enough. I understand, you know, they need to think and they need to process it. But VAR takes like two or three minutes out of the game to just by so much more slowly. It's like, it's just all this time wasting for, for nothing. Just make the call, stick with it. If you don't like the call, check the monitor. Get rid of all those guys in that phone booth who don't know what they're doing. And the, refer- the referees fired and just replaced with brand new ones. No, they don't know how to do their job. And not to mention, 50s. Now, I'm not, I don't want to disrespect anyone who's like old and sound ages, but I don't think an athletic pace and you can see all this stuff. Pretty like to, to make these calls. Like, no, like the English refs are just so god awful. No, and, and, and I understand the frustration from a guy like you who understands the sport, who understands what the sport's about. And, you know, it rattles you and I because we've seen, you know, we've seen games, you know, get taken away from teams because of, you know, a little a little line, right? You know, something a little minuscule. They and remember? Sport. And at the end of the day, I have no issue if a referee thinks he messed up, which happens, if he's like, you know what, let me go check. Fine. Mm-hmm. 
the first three says, hey, I'm going to stop the game, let you go see, because maybe I have my doubts about what I just did, fine. But don't wave the guy down and make him stop the game just to just to figure out if the guy's fingernail was offside, man. Come yeah. on. I so remember that's, that's, I think the thing that I think the thing that did it for me was this was back in September. And Henderson, I think, I don't know who went goal, but they chopped it off for offside because off their foot was like toenail length was offside and it like it was just complete bullshit that that was called like no Liverpool should have won that game fair and square and ever since then I just feel like it's for you and it always changes like last year agree with me or not I feel like maybe VAR was a little bit biased towards Liverpool this season no, it's completely it, it, against I can, I can see why pe- people make that make that statement because there are a lot of times when Liverpool did get away with you know minuscule things and um, you know obviously it's part of the game um but at the end of the day, if, if you're going to perfect something, right, perfect it. You know, don't don't just sit there telling people it's been perfected and then, uh, you know, screw everybody over at the end of the day. Personally, I, I think VAR, the, I like the concept. I like the idea of it fixing things. I just personally feel that Europe or the, whoever didn't necessarily ruin VAR, you can have your own opinion about it outside. I see it in the Premier League. The Premier League ruined the biggest leagues in the world that gets the most media attention. That's what overshadows, like, maybe the guys who do use it correctly. I'm not 100% sure who that might be, but I feel like the Premier League took it to a whole They're the ones that made it more complicated than it needed to be. And you know what else they should do? I remember watching this, and I think on AFTV, um, American football, right? And I, and I think they do this in hockey, too. If the referee straight up comes out and says what the call is and what's going on. I wish they'd do that in soccer. Just be straight up honest. I respect someone who's just straight up and just honest. Just say what's going on. Don't make us be so confused, especially as us fans. Like, if there's, I, I just love it in in uh, what's it called in football. There's been a blocking or a holding or a foul flag on the play. I don't know the sport much. Five yard penalty, first still first down. Let's do that in freaking soccer. Just it just makes it just so much more less less heartache. You know what I mean? No, hundred percent, and I agree with you, and I understand what you're trying to get at. But um, you know, it's it's two different sports, right? You know, you can't always yeah. be like that. You know, there's always going to be discussions or whatever the case may be. Um, so no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, you know, hopefully the issue gets resolved. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, it's it's going to be a while before they fix everything, and. Um, you know, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how they, how they figure it out, and mm-hmm. how they uh, how they fix the issue at hand, and if they decide to listen to the fans or not. Um, but yeah, it's it's very interesting, um, and it's gonna be interesting to see how the whole situation plays out over time. Yeah, definitely. But I just like I think you and I can both agree, and a lot of it, many other people. Like we all kind of hoped it would be. It's just been very, it's been very negative, and all these changes to it just make it more confusing, and it just feels like it's just doing more harm than good. And it's just. So I agree with what you say. I, I hope they can fig- get a grasp on it, but maybe this is just what it's going to be, and everyone's just might just have to get used to it and hope that we can find. Has it been? Has it? I 100% agree with you, and it's it's one of those issues that's going to take a while to resolve, and at the end of the day, I think 
you know, if this issue continues, I think a lot of teams are going to complain. They're going to end up taking VR out of the sport, which I think they should. If they can't get it right within the next two years. And I think after two years, if you can't get it right, take it out of the sport before you, you know, take away too much from the game. And, you know, you ruin the sport for the future generation of, uh, of athletes coming through the ranks. Uh, yeah. That's kind of where I stand. And, you know, obviously, as an official myself, the last thing I want to do is, you know, sit there and look at the screen to see if, you know, a guy's fingernail, whatever the case may be, was offside. Or if, you know, the, the ball you know, you know, barely graze, you know, his his jersey or whatever the case may be, and that just that just ruins the sport. I think I totally of... forgot you were an official. Yeah, you ref the OSC games. Yeah, and, and and a lot of guys and all of us talk, right? We all all of us, you know, have our opinions. You know, I'm not gonna go into in depth about what other guys think because I think that's that's not my place to speak. But personally me, I I've I've always said I think it's ruining the sport. Um I think the way it, it's been handled is is not the best, like we've like we've mentioned before, and kind of it takes away from the sport, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it ruins games. You know, it, it it's it's not natural. Yeah, I think it's not an organic thing for this for the sport of football to have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've done how many years without you know VAR, and you know everything has kind of gone on, you know, mm-hmm. smoothly. And you know, we've had a few hiccups, you know, here and there, but that's that's the nature of the sport. Yeah. Um, and until it, until they can get it right, I think I think they should use it with caution. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's kind of my opinion. I, yeah, I, I agree. And I just feel like VAR was just such a simple concept that just got completely, that was, they, everyone themselves, like the football organization themselves just made so complicated. Anyway, I want to move on to, I want to talk about a legacy, more of a positive note of someone who I personally enjoyed watching throughout many years. And it's unfortunate that's somewhat coming to an end and in many iconic moments, particularly one, especially in the Premier League, but he's just been an absolute gem of a player, um, a very underappreciated player, and I just think he leaves behind a legacy that I feel needs to be spoken about, and that is Sergio Aguero, who will be leaving Manchester City at the end of the season. No, I, I think I think El Kun, um, you know, will be a fantastic player. You know, he'll forever be remembered in City's hearts, um, you know, especially a goal against QPR in uh, 2013-2014. Yeah. Um, you know, he... Even at Atletico Madrid, he was a star player. Um, it's obviously it's an end of an era um, in Manchester, but I, I think he served his time, and I think it's time for him to you know see what else is out there. Um, I've heard rumors that he might return to Argentina. Um, I heard you know, rumors he about that two years ago, but those don't seem to be the case anymore. Being at the end of his city career, he's going to go back to Independiente in Argentina, but apparently, well, apparently not anymore. Independiente is doing well right now in the league table. Uh, you know. They're, they've got some young, good, they've got some good players. You know, they've got a mix of, uh, you know, older guys and a mix of youth. Um, you know, they they're constantly in the Copa Libertadores. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, um, it's gonna be interesting to see. I think, uh, you know, right now, in the Independiente is is fourth. Um, you know, uh, in the in their in their group. Um, you know, ahead of the the Primera División. Uh, in Argentina, uh, you know, they're only behind uh, Tachero de Cordoba, Boca, and then Vélez, uh, the three in front of them right now. Um, I think it's, I think it makes sense, you know, you take your family back home to where you kind of started your career. Yeah. Um, you play in, you play in the only tournament you haven't really done, which is, uh, you know, the Copa, you know, you try to make a deep run, you try to solidify, you know, um, a Copa Libertadores potentially. Uh, you know, you've, you've kind of done everything in Europe um, and, at the end of the day, he's he's done everything, right? He's he's mm-hmm. been a stellar player. 
um, throughout his, the entirety of his career for the national team um, and for everything. Um, you know, we look, we look at his honors, right? You wait for Europa League, UEFA Super Cup, Copa del Rey runner-up, Premier League uh, four, four times. times, FA Cup once, uh, Football League Cup, you know, six times, Community Shield three, Under-20 World Cup twice, Olympic gold medal, runner-up in the Copa U- in the FIFA World Cup, runner-up twice in the Copa America. He's almost a beta version of Messi, no, obviously. But you know what? The men's had the trophies, and he was what you call the big game player. Like, whenever the one that stepped up and manned up and you know did everything he could, did he score in every big game? No, but a few seasons ago in the 18 19 season, the man scored a hat trick against both. That's another thing people don't talk about. That man scores hat tricks like he's Messi or Ronaldo. Uh, one of the notable ones that I can think of is hat tricks is the one against. He was about to crash out of the Champions League. He did a QPR 2.0 against Bayern Munich in the last minute of the game and scored a hat trick to make them win, to give them a chance to still be in the Champions League. And then there's the four goals against Tottenham, the five goals against Newcastle. The man was a goal scoring machine. And I think the thing with Sergio Aguero was that he had a big problem throughout his career. And that he was, he kind of took time for him to figure himself out. Like he, or he, what was going to do after? He would finally score, and then he would start scoring again, and then he would go. I hate the international, um, international games like qualifiers and such. Is that he? I'm back to playing for Martina, and he would get. In that injury was all. He just broke his arm. He'll be out for three weeks. No, he like tore his ankle and would be out for a month, or pulled his hamstring and he would be out for four months. So that left Man City in a bit of predict in a, a bit of a predicament. And when he came back, it would take him a little bit of a while for him to get going. And when he was fit, the man scored and he just, he stepped up and he was there and just, he was, I'm getting emotional. He, he was just brilliant. And because he was Argentinian, everyone would talk about uh, Messi, but Messi and Aguero are like best friends. He is the godfather of his son, Benjamin. So the two are very. In, in you know talent as well like obviously I'm not gonna if you ask me who's better Messi or Aguero it's gonna be Messi but Aguero was like right up there with him and he should have deserved and he deserved the recognition that he got he won trophy he did only everything he could and he never got the appreciation that he got because he wasn't like he he wasn't the top scorer of the Premier League now Alan Shearer has what 260 has about 187 something like that. But he like still deserved like the recognition that he got during the month. Probably the best player in the Premier League for the longest time, if not the best striker. Throughout those 10 years, he was just an outstanding player. And people would say, oh, Luis Suarez was probably better in the Premier League. He was there for only a few months. If Luis Suarez stayed in Liverpool, who knows what would have happened. But the case... Aguero fought off... To join uh, Real Madrid, but you know he stayed loyal to Man City because he wanted to help them win the Champions League. He still could this season, but you know people need to remember the type of player Aguero was—a big game player, a player who scored, and a player just, who, who just had this winning mentality. Like I want to score, I want to be the best, I want to help my team. Whereas just other players, just you know, they don't really pull their own strength. Sometimes they need to be motivated. Aguero motivated himself. You know, that's what I feel. No, he he played for no, three coaches, but you know what? 
he did it himself. You know, yes, Mancini got him started. Pellegrini got him, you know, going. And then Guardiola just made him who he was. Like, Guardiola... Messi. But Messi, I feel like, made Messi himself. And that's what I think Aguero was. Aguero didn't need motivation. He motivated... It's a shame that... It's going to be... It's going to be an emotional... To see him clap off, clap, everyone clapping him off on his final game at the Etihad, and it's gonna be—I really hope it'll be a great send-off when he lifts his fifth Premier League title. You know, not many people can say they won the Premier League five times, but Aguero certainly can. And you know, I've heard many rumors about, like you said, him joining Argentina, but I've heard rumors about him still wanting to stay in the Premier League and Chelsea being the team to sign him. Now, if he were to join Chelsea, I probably wouldn't mind it so much because I know he wouldn't be there for the long term. It would be for like two years maximum. He wouldn't be their everyday starter. He would just be like, for United, kind of just who comes off the bench and just scores sometimes and just provides that experience and that, you know, just he's just a good player and he's just helping a good team. And I know that if he played for against Man City, he probably, one, wouldn't try. Two, he definitely wouldn't celebrate. He, he no, would just be there. He's a very classy player, and that's, that's the way he was brought up, to be a classy player. No, yeah, I agree. I think, I think Sergio's a fantastic player. I think, you know, the future is what he makes it. Uh, he's served his time, and um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. If he, you know, if he stays in England, if he goes back to Argentina, if he goes back to Spain. Um, you know, like I said, it, this summer is going to be very interesting. Um, does he go to the MLS? You know, does he does he try his hand at that? Does he go to Atala, uh, to Atlanta to play with Gabriel Heinze, a guy that he played with um, during his Argentina days? Um, does he go play uh, with Higuain at Inter Miami? You know, it, there's a lot of possibilities for him to do, um, and I think it's be very interesting. Um, yeah, definitely and, that moment. Keep your. I think that really just deserves a statue of its own because name me a more iconic Premier League moment than that. It's just it's just incredible yeah, the type right. player Sergio Aguero was. All time, yeah, it's, it's he doesn't get the recognition that he deserved. Yeah, it's something that we'll always remember. You know, when we're up in our thirties and our forties, you know, one of the greatest games. Um, but yeah, that's that's really the way I I kind of stand on the whole thing. I think you know a lot of things are going to happen this summer. Um, you know, as we mentioned throughout the, the entirety of the show, and I think it's going to be a very interesting summer to see where players go. Um, yeah. Mr. Perelman, it's been an absolute pleasure having yeah, you Yeah, thank on. you for having me. Thank- I wanted to speak uh, about these topics and talk about the Super League and, yeah, talk no, about man, how I was. So 100%. I appreciate you giving me the chance to, you know, speak my mind. I, I appreciate no, that opportunity. You, you, know, you, you're always, you're always more than welcome to come on. Um, you know, having thank you an absolute blast. You, your knowledge of the sport is 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 top tier and I, I I can never deny I can never deny you the opportunity to come on because the conversations that you know happen throughout the show are, are phenomenal. Um right, Carol, thanks man, so much. Thank you for coming on man. Stay safe. Yeah thank you so much. Healthy. Stay yeah you as well. Stay safe. Best of luck. Hope to see you again soon man. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. Of course.